This morning we had a fantastic first service, and God really moved. And I want to kind of expound on, on grace again this morning. We've been talking for about two weeks about the grace of God. And we, we have to understand that God, simply because he chose to forgive us, and by his grace, gives us a second chance in life. How many have ever seen the show uh, Scared Straight? Have you ever seen that show? They'll take kids or teenagers and they'll take them into prison or jail and they'll, they think they're tough, they think they're bad, and they take them in there and they'll put these prisoners in their face and they'll spit on them and yell at them and push them and take them into the cells and show them all these different things and scare them to where they say, you don't ever want to come here. You don't ever want to come to this jail. And the, what happens for us as believers, church, is all throughout the Bible, the Bible tells us stories in the Bible that says, listen, here is something that's coming. Learn from it so you don't have to go to hell. Does anybody know this morning that God did not create hell for us? Amen. We're going to get in that a little bit this morning. And as I talk about grace, I want to add this this morning as we put the background up. We're going to talk about God's grace and his wrath. Can I get an amen? Amen? Because you cannot understand God's grace without understanding God's wrath. You cannot have good without evil. You cannot have light without darkness. And so we have to understand that God has a character that is very, very graceful. And we're going to see this in the scripture this morning. But there's also a side of God that is a God, a, a God of judgment and justice and anger and wrath. And how many have ever heard somebody say, you don't want to get on that person's bad side? Well, let me tell you something. You don't want to be on God's bad side. And some people, unfortunately, though, have a picture of God, and that's all they see is God's bad side. They see if God was a God of love, this wouldn't happen, and that wouldn't happen, and, and that's kind of the mentality that a lot of people have. But I want to show you the balance of Scripture this morning and talk a little bit about God's grace and wrath. If you'll go open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to give you some examples in the scripture here. And I believe by the time this message is over, you're going to have a greater understanding of who God is. For, straight from his word. It says here in chapter 2, verse 4. I want to focus on this verse for a second. It said, if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell... And delivered them into chains of darkness. I'm going to stay here for a second on this verse because I want you to think about something. If angels in heaven can mess up, how are we? How is it possible? We, so a lot of us can be listening here right now and go, "Man, I'll never mess up like that. I'll never make that mistake." You might have been watching this cardboard testimony and seen some of the things like drug addiction or prison or or broken marriage or whatever, and you think, "Well, that'll never be me." Right? That's what, kind of what we think sometimes. I'll never make that mistake. But what, what needs to bring us back to a balance is to understand that angels in heaven, standing in the very presence of God, fell. I mean, we, we just felt God's presence as we watched that, and it moved us. I get teary-eyed every single time I watch that to see the lives changed, and it just touches me and moves me. And we, we, we see these things. But can you imagine what it would be like to be in the actual physical presence of God in heaven, and they fell. So if they can fall, we can fall. So it should humble us, and it should get us to an understanding that I've got to make some good choices. 
If they fell, I can fail. I can fall, but here's the crazy thing. He will hold everyone accountable. He says, if God did not spare the angels, see, this is, this is the side of wrath. We're going to end on grace today. Don't worry. We're going to end on a high note. But I want us to see what God speaks about in his word about his wrath, his anger, his punishment, his justice, his righteousness. And it says, if he did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them to hell and deliver them to chains. And another thing, I just mentioned that a second ago, is hell was not made for us. It was made for those fallen angels. The Bible tells us, I don't have this in my notes this morning because I didn't think about it for the message, but I thought about it as I was preaching in the first sermon. The Bible tells us that hell is, was reserved and made for the devil and his angels. Now let me give you an understanding of that, a picture of that. Maybe some of you live in Crum or maybe you live in a small town, uh, Sanger or, or Ponder or, or something like that. And think about Crum that's just right here behind us a few miles. When, when the people started the city of Crum, they had in their minds, let's make a town square. Every Texas city has a town square. Let's, let's make a, a courthouse and, or let's make a church. How about 100 years ago, everybody went to church on Sunday. Let's make a church. Let's make a school. Let's make a playground. Let's build houses. Let's build a supermarket. And they started planning their lives. You know they didn't ever have in their thoughts and minds of making a jail? That wasn't in their intentions because they didn't want to have bad people there. Their intention was to build a beautiful city. But as people started breaking the law, they said, you know what, we better make a cell because we got some people disobeying the law. And then more people broke the law and they said, we better make a bigger jail. And then more people broke the law and then they had to make an actual jail. You know, and it gets bigger and bigger, and that's what's happening today. Just as jails are expanding and jails are bigger than they've ever been, and we can't keep enough beds and cells in jails, hell is populating hell is expanding because people continue to disobey god and continue to make the wrong choices let's keep reading he says to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world that's what we talked about last week but saved noah one of eight people a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and watch this turning the cities of sodom and gomorrah into ashes. I'm going to expound on that a little bit here in a moment about Sodom and Gomorrah being turned into ashes. How many have ever heard, whether you are raised in church or never been in church in your life, have ever heard the words Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, you've heard those. It's an actual city. And I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. And the Bible says there that they were turned into ashes, condemned them to what word do you see there? What were they condemned to? Destruction. That's the side of wrath of God, destruction. Okay, but watch when we keep reading. Making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. How many here are smart people? Let me see your hand if you consider yourself a smart person. Now, I'm not even talking intellectually smart, amen? I'm talking about how many are common sense smart, right? And so if we're smart here, we would learn from other people's mistakes, we would learn from what other people have messed up on, and that's, that's the character of the Bible. The Bible is trying to teach us and show us things that have happened in the past and, and what comes to people who don't obey God and listen to God, and we can learn from them, it says. Examples from the past. Now watch this. And delivered, look at the difference between destruction and delivered. Grace and wrath. Destruction and delivered. Delivered righteous lots who was oppressed by the filthy conduct 
of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them was tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Is anybody in here tired of the way this world is? Amen? And the more you give your life to God, the more tired you get of this world. This was the picture of Lot. Lot was sick and tired of his people around him living the way they were living and doing the things they were doing. And church, that should be a picture of us today, if you know Jesus Christ, is you don't want anything to do with this world. We live in this world, but we don't want to have anything to do with this world. And so it says, because of, his, of their lawless deeds, he was bothered. Now watch this, verse 9. This is the good news. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. How many are thankful for that, that the Lord knows how to deliver us? Amen? I got three people that are thankful. For the rest of you, want the destruction side, I guess. Amen. How many are glad that the Lord delivers us? Amen? He's a God who delivers. He's a God who, who is graceful and merciful. Amen? But in that same verse, look at how this, this is going back and forth. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And I, and I kind of said this in a different way in the first service. If you've ever had anything done wrong to you, you you're angry at somebody, you, you need to forgive them, though. But you're, you're, you feel like you've been un, uh, done something unjust or unrighteous, and you, wanna, you want those people to pay. You want them to pay as a human being. Let me tell you something. They're in God's hands. And they're better in God's hands than they are in your hands. God is a just God. And it says there will be nothing that will go unpaved. Every unjust punishment will be reserved for that day of judgment. So we understand that God is perfect. We're not. But he is perfect. And that's what this message is showing us this morning. Because as we get an understanding of his perfection and his judgment and his wrath... It makes us appreciate more His grace. And the fact that He loves us and the fact that He has a good plan for us. Now again, I said this a minute ago, you cannot have grace without wrath. You can't have one without the other. Lots of people would say, I want that God of grace. You can have the God of grace, but He is also a God of wrath. You can't have one without the other. You have to understand that you don't even know what grace is if you don't know what God's wrath is. Lot understood God's grace, as we're going to see here in a moment in this story. Now I want you to look at Genesis chapter 19, if you would. I'm going to give you several scriptures this morning. Now I'm going to get in a little bit to this Sodom and Gomorrah. City of Sodom and Gomorrah, which lots of people have heard of. And today, church, our world is living like Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is a story that is 4,000 years old. Okay, but what I'm going to tell you something in a second about Sodom and Gomorrah is proof that God's word is true. Watch what the Bible says happened way back in Genesis. What I read in 2 Peter was Peter recollecting what had happened way back thousands of years ago. In his time, it would have been 2,000 years ago. He says, then, verse Genesis, this is the story, then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. Can you imagine what it would be like for rain from heaven to come down, but it not be water? Can you imagine what it would be like for drops of sulfur 
and brimstone to fall on the earth. It literally, and we'll see this in a second, rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. And not only Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible actually tells us there was five cities called the cities of the plains and from the Lord out of the heavens. Keep reading with me. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground, meaning there was nothing left, not even vegetation. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Now, I want to stop there for a second because sometimes when we read the Bible, our mind's like, really? She turned into salt? Why not pepper? Right? Why not salt? I mean, our minds can be like, why? Why salt? Really? Salt? And how many can be honest here and ever thought when you heard the story of Jonah and the whale? You're like, really? Jonah was really swell? Does your carnal mind ever? Am I the only one that ever questions things? It's okay to question those. It's okay to wonder those things. David really killed the giant. The flood really happened. There was really an ark. All these things that we read and we wonder. But a lot of times what we don't understand is, is when we read something today in 2020, it doesn't make sense to us sometimes from way back then. And sometimes it's even the wordage. But let me give you an example to make it more sense. How many know about the nation of Israel? Yeah, that tiny little country that, that is the focal point of the world. That nobody can destroy, nobody can take down, and lots of people hate. But you better not hate Israel as a believer. Amen? Because God loves Israel. Those are his chosen people. That's where Jesus came from. And those Israelites were, never, were not a nation for thousands of years since Jesus and the temple was destroyed after Jesus went into heaven. For 2,000 years, that, that Israel was, it was nothing. They were not even considered a nation. And in 1948, Israel became a nation. And that's all prophetic. And when they became a nation, they're still tiny, tiny little nations. Stay with me on this. They're a tiny little nation. And when they became a nation, 20 years later in 1967, and this is where the watch the spiritual prophetic watch of the Bible started when Israel became a nation. Because Jesus said, if you know your Bible, Jesus said, this generation that sees these things happen will not pass away before all the other things happen. And so we're living in a time, that's why I said last week, the door of grace is shutting. Because we're living in those days. We're living in the last days. Whether you want to believe it or not, or whether you want to accept it or not, we're living in the last days. And Jesus is coming soon for his church. Amen? And there's a time coming that's going to be greater than Sodom and Gomorrah. But back in 1967, this is history, church. This isn't something I'm making up. Israel was surrounded by armies from five different nations. And they tried to destroy Israel because the devil hates Israel. And the devil hates what came out of Israel, which is Jesus. And so these nations surrounded, and Russia lent billions of dollars to, to uh, these nations to destroy Israel. Israel did not have any chance to win this war, and history calls it the Six-Day War, if you remember your history books. During that Six-Day War, it was exactly what it said, six days. And guess what happened in those six days? Israel destroyed those five countries with no chance on earth to win, they destroyed all those nations. That's a modern-day miracle to show you what the 
Sodom and Gomorrah looks like or what Noah looks like or David and Goliath looks like because that just happened in our generation where it physically was impossible and you can watch documentaries on YouTube. I challenge you to go watch them. They would go, they would go and literally the soldiers, we actually went and saw it in the movie theater when it came out, the soldiers would show up to these, to these places to fight and there would be a, a, a massive amount of people on the other side and a few soldiers of Israelis and the other people would get, would get on their knees and surrender to them. It was supernatural. Does anybody in here still believe and know that we serve a supernatural God? His ways are not our ways. He's a real God. And these are not just stories in the Bible. So she did turn into a pillar of salt. And I'm going to get back to that again in a second. Stay with me. Let's keep reading. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up, listen to this, like the smoke of a furnace. God destroyed those cities. Now I want to put up a picture and I want to talk about this a little bit. I did some studying uh, over the weekend about Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to look at that picture. I said something in the, fr I, I forgot to get the, actually I got it to him, but I forgot to tell them in the first service. But I'm glad we have it for the second one. That's online. I kind of described the Grand Canyon. Did anybody, anybody that's in the ministry team remembers the first? Kind of looks like the Grand Canyon, doesn't it? This is Sodom and Gomorrah, and those are uh, places people lived. They're streets. They're, they're, they're all these different things, and and if you, if you kind of look back in the background, you can't see it so much in this, but there's other pictures where it would show the outside cities around where people actually live still. The mountains are different colors. That color that you see is literally ashes. And this has been sitting there for 4,000 years, church. You don't believe the Bible? Over there in Israel, at the, near the Dead Sea, is the city, Sodom and Gomorrah, and it is destroyed. It has looked like that for 4,000 years. Right there. Just like that. No one's lived there because he destroyed it. But he left it as an example for us to see what, what destruction looks like. And here's some facts that are very interesting. Even in the last 20 to 30 years, uh, excavators and scientists have gone over to discover. And I told some people in the first service, I've got a really cool video. If anybody wants it, I'll share it with you. It's got some fascinating facts about, because I love stuff like that. I love to read stuff that confirms my faith in, in the Bible. Amen? And so they were going, and they were, in the last 20, even in the early 90s, they were finding out and clarifying and saying, this is Sodom and Gomorrah. This is the place where it would have been destroyed. And there's proof. And it's, it's, the proof is that it was destroyed by fire and brimstone, which is literally sulfur. And they showed in this documentary the people walking around. And as they were walking, every step they took, ashes, dust from ashes were coming up. Has anybody ever walked through ashes? That's exactly what that whole place looks like. And here's why. It says there were remains of houses and ziggurats. I know it's kind of a weird word, but those were ancient pyramids. So they showed the picture of the ancient pyramid, or sorry, uh, ancient temple, sorry. And then they showed the picture that would look like that, totally petrified. Totally, in our mind, frozen sounds weird, right, because it's heat, but just solid, is how the city turned out because of the fire. And it says that ash is covered all over, 
And, it, and, and then, like I said, you can see the distinction of where Sodom and Gomorrah is compared to other cities where, where Sodom and Gomorrah were. Now listen to this. As they're going through these ruins, if, when they got up closer, they would find these designs that went like this. And he said they were called thermal ionization. And he said thermal ionization can only come from something that is, comes from 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit or more. Proving that the heat that was in Sodom and Gomorrah was over 6,000 degrees. If you want to know how hot that is, they say that the surface of the sun is about 8,000 degrees. Now it gets hotter as you go in. But sometimes it's hard for us to fathom these things, right? And so these, these, these designs were left. All this was left as, a, has anybody ever been to a museum? And you see what things were? This, was like, this is like a, a living museum of the wrath of God. And, and what he would love for us to learn from this is, I don't want to be a part of that. Because I'm that smart guy. I'm that common sense guy. You know? And, and nothing's living there. Nothing's growing there. Nobody, nobody lives there because it's destroyed. And he left it that way. And let me give you something else that's really interesting. Earlier in that verse it said, brimstone rain from heaven. How many in here were kind of raised in church a little bit? Maybe you're watching online and you heard fire and brimstone preaching. Ever heard that? Fire and brimstone preaching? And they'll say, man, I don't want none of that fire and brimstone preaching. Give me fire and brimstone preaching. We need fire and brimstone preaching today. Because what fire and brimstone preaching is, don't be there. I'd rather hear it than live it. Do I have any smart people in here? How many would rather hear about fire and brimstone than go through fire and brimstone? This is the story. Put yourself back there in Sodom and Gomorrah in Abraham and Lot's situation. Be just like today. Here we are, I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. Jesus could come in any moment. I hear I'm telling you these things, and this is the same thing they were doing 4,000 years ago with Sodom and Gomorrah. But these little brimstones... Some were like the size of a quarter. Some were like the size of a half dollar. And listen to this. After 4,000 years, they would walk around and pick them up. They were everywhere. Everywhere. They'd pick them up, and they'd break them open. Stay with me on this. Watch how powerful this is. They'd break those things open, and then they would light them on fire. They would just grab a match and light them on fire. After 4,000 years, they were consumed. But they weren't just, just consumed. They didn't just catch on fire. There was something distinct about this brimstone from anything else, and I forgot to mention this in the first service, of anything else in the world. The, the archaeologists say that the brimstone, the sulfur that's in this, these brimstones, which is just stones of sulfur, are not like anything that comes from a volcano. Geologists would try to say that that you know, a volcano erupted, and, and that's how Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. No, this is something that came, the Bible says, did anybody read it with me? It rained fire and brimstone from heaven. You know what that literally means? It rained fire and brimstone from heaven. We have to learn to read the Bible literally. It's not, oh, it sounds good. No, it rained fire and brimstone instead of water from heaven. And, and when they opened this thing up and lit it on fire, they did something really cool. As I was watching this documentary, they, turned, they made it dark, and they lit it. Now, does anybody know, as I have this great example here of this, of this I love candles. I love things like this. It's relaxing. So that's why they're here, because I like these. 
But see the fire color? We think of red and we think of yellow and we think of fire. Does anybody in here know that that's not the color of the hottest, of hottest fire? Does anybody know? Maybe you're watching on TV and you're like, I know it. Anybody watch The Weakest Link? You're throwing out the answers. If you know, just tell me. If you know, And you can't cheat if you were here in the first service. Does anybody know what the darkest color is, hottest color of fire is? Blue. Blue. Like your shirt and your, a bunch of blue in here. I got black on. Lots of blue, right? So when fire is very, very, very hot, it's, it starts like this, and as it gets hotter, it turns to blue and almost purple. He opened up, stay with me, he opened up this brimstone, lit it, turned the lights off, and guess what color it was? Blue. But it didn't start like this and progress. It was immediately blue, almost purple. Yeah, wow. You know what that does for me? That, that excites me. Because that shows me that the Bible that I'm reading is real. And it's literal. And rained, it really rained brimstone. And here four, how many know 4,000 years is a long time? 4,000 years later, it's still sitting there on the ground. And these people are walking. This was made this year. This documentary I'm telling you about. Are picking up brimstone and lighting it. And then when it turned blue, it literally melted. Like looked like lava. At 6,000 degrees inside that sulfur. So God destroyed by fire. And so this is something that shows us and teaches us that this is real, and we need to pay attention to what God's Word says. Are you still with me? Let's go to Genesis 19. Let me tell you a little bit more about the story. Genesis 19, verse 14. So Lot went out. Now, we know, what the, we know the end result. Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed. But let's put ourselves in this movie today. Let's put ourselves in this situation and see what happened. Let's, let's see how we can learn from the example. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up! Get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at me. Every time we preach to you every Sunday, church, we are not trying to scare you. We're not trying to manipulate you. We are just trying to preach God's word and tell you that this is true and God is, is, has got a got time coming upon this earth where judgment is coming, but there is an escape and his name is Jesus. How many understand that? We're doing what he did there. He said, come on, get out. What he's telling us today is get out of the world. Get out of that life that you're living. Get out of that situation. Stop doing the things you used to do. Change. Give your heart to Jesus. And he says, but, but to his sons-in-law. Here's something interesting. He seemed to be joking. See, the world today thinks it's funny. They were laughing and joking 4,000 years ago in Sodom and Gomorrah. But how many know that once they started seeing that rain come down that was red or blue, they stopped laughing? There was nobody laughing after the smoke settled. And, and, and that's the thing we got to understand, church. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And so we need to be on God's good side. And don't think it's funny. That's why sometimes, and I don't have to do it very often, thank God, that's why sometimes I, I give people a look. They're acting up in church, or they're talking, or they're messing around because they don't understand how serious this is. 
It's serious. It's serious business. And God is wanting to save us from that because God doesn't want us to end up like Sodom and Gomorrah. God wants us to go to heaven. God wants us to be with him for eternity. God wants us to enjoy his riches and his grace and his love and his mercy because he's a good God. Does anybody know he's a good God? How can you look at all these testimonies and not know he's a good God, a gracious God? We're sitting here in church today. We, we could be some, Last year, some of you were sitting in jail. Last of you, year, some of you were sitting up from a hangover. Last year, some of you didn't even know where you were the night before. That's God's grace and God's mercy. So he's a God of grace and he's a God of wrath. So they're laughing. They're thinking, oh, this is funny. But when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. Let's get back here. And said, arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered... The men took hold of his hand. We don't think God's merciful. He didn't just tell them. He grabbed them and said, took hold of his, his wife's hand and the hands of his two daughters. And it says, watch this, the Lord being merciful to him. That's the picture of God I want you to see. That God doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He just wants us to obey him. He just wants us to say, yes, Lord, your ways are better than my ways. You've been around a little longer than me. I think I'll trust you. He created the world. And God says, listen, I don't want this to happen to you. But listen, I, I, want, I, I let you know this for an example. Get right. Give your life to the Lord. Watch this. They brought him out and set him outside the city. And it came to pass when they had brought him, them outside that he said, escape for your life. I like the word escape. Remember when I mentioned that last week during the, during the message about the rapture? Luke 21, 36 says, Watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape the things to come. As we know what's coming upon this earth, church, in 2020, we know the things that are going on in this world right now, the things that could happen in the next few months. As we know what's coming, as we know the craziness of what's going on in our world, how much more should we be falling in love with the grace and the mercy of God? How much more should we be saying, God, wake me up and help me get rid of anything that should not be in my life this morning? Escape for your life. Do not look. Now watch this. Do not look behind you. Nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be what? So this is a picture, church, that God has an escape for us. That he's not going to bring his wrath on people at the same time as grace. He can't do both at the same time. You're either going to get his grace or you're going to get his wrath. And in Exodus, he said, I set before you life and death or grace and wrath. And he says, have common sense, choose life. Have common sense, choose grace. What person in their right mind would choose wrath? But they do. But people do. And so, the, so he says, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. As I begin to close, stay with me on this. Do not look back at your old life. 
Do not look back at your old lifestyle. Do not look back at things and go, man, is it better now or not? Uh, should I have left that or not? Look, do not look back. Look forward. Look forward to the grace of God. Look forward to the peace of God. Look forward to the plan of God. Don't look back. Amen. There was someone in our church that I'm doing some premarital counseling with, and I'm not going to say their name, but you might figure out who it is. And if you know, then you know. If you don't, you don't. But he said something so powerful. He said, we used to live, they'd just been coming for about a year, and they're new in the church and got saved. And they were in the cardboard testimonies too. And he said, he said, we used to live in Louisville, but now we live in Denton. And he said, I left my old past on the other side of Lake Louisville. He said, now I have new friends and new family in this church, and I left that old past behind. Amen. That's what you got to do. You got to say, I'm leaving my past on the other side of the lake. I'm not going back to it. I'm not going to live there anymore. I'm a new creation. That's what God wants us to do. As I close, you might think, as we just read that, okay, Pastor, where's God's grace? Where's God's grace in this story? I've always read about his destruction and blue fire and brimstone from heaven. Where's his grace? Well, I'm going to show you in Genesis 18. We're seeing the end result. Here's what's cool about today. We're a living message right now. We're, a, we're, a living, we're writing our story right now. We're writing our story right now. You're writing your story right now as you're listening. And you're choosing right now. You're making decisions right now. Your spirit is doing something. Watch what Genesis 18 says. And Abraham came near and said, what a great question. Would you destroy the righteous and the wicked? Now, the reason I'm reading this church is because I've been telling you lately that I believe with all my heart as a pastor, we will not go through the tribulation. And that's good news, by the way. And if you're here and you're going, man, you know what I've been studying too and I think we're going to go through it, then I pray you get what you want. I pray you do well in the tribulation. But I'm going to be, beam me up, Scotty. I'm going to be out of here. Amen? Anybody else want to go with me? In the first load? Okay, that's where we're going. And that's why I believe this so adamantly, because when you look at this story, you're going to see God's character is that he never destroys the good with the bad. Never. He always gives his people a way of escape. And so Abraham is telling us 4,000 years ago, let me give you guys a picture of the coming rapture. He says, God, will you do that? And he says, suppose there were 50 righteous people in this city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, you, would you also destroy that place and not spare the 50 righteous people that are in it? Good question, right? Far be it from you. Abraham is pleading to God. Abraham is basically declaring God's character. He says, you're not a God that would do that. To slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. So a lot of times we say, man, where's God in all this? Far, he goes, far be it from you. You, shall you not judge, shall you, the judge of the earth, not do right? Watch what the Lord says. If I find in Sodom 50 righteous people, I'll spare the whole place for their sake. Now I want you just to, I just want you to meditate on that for a second. Does that look like grace to you? Is anybody else seeing anything but grace? If you... He says, if I find 50 people, I'll spare it all. And so Abraham's like, 
Well, God, you don't really know. I mean, you do know, but this is a really bad place. So maybe I should go down a little bit. Maybe I'm asking too much. And he goes, 45? He does. I'm not going to read it all for time, but he, he goes, what a, what a 45? And God says, I'll, I'll, I'll spare it for 45. He goes, what about 40? He's, he's negotiating with God. I'll do it for 40. 30? 20? And he gets all the way down to 10 people. I want you to remember this story next time you talk to someone who says, God's mean. God's angry. He, he, he's graceful. He gets down to 10 people, and he says, if I find 10, God says, if I find 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah that are righteous, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. And know what the next verse says. So the Lord went his way as soon as he finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. But we know the story. How sad is it? God could not find 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a lot, just like Noah, less than 10. And fire and brimstone came down because God is a God of his word. But how many see right there, he's a God of grace? If I find 10 righteous people. And so the picture for us, church, is it, God will not push, put his church through the tribulation. Because he never in his, he would be changing his narrative from Noah to Sodom and Gomorrah and all the way through the Old Testament into the New. He never punishes the, the wicked people with the righteous people. How many are thankful for that? That right there should make us happy. Look at what this is. Psalms 145 verse 8. The Lord is gracious. And full of compassion. Amen. Full of compassion. And look at this. He's not even quick to anger. How many of us in here, one of the guys had it on their sign, quick to anger? Right? How many of us have a short temper? Boom, get mad fast. What any old thing gets you mad? Amen. Honest hearts. That's not even God's character. God is slow to anger. You gotta really, really, really be dumb. Just keeping it real, right? you got to be dumb to be on God's bad side. Because he's slow to anger. He's merciful. And it says he's great in mercy. That right there, you should wake up every morning and read that verse. The Lord. Next time someone says, oh, God's mean. No, God is gracious. He has provided a way out. He has made a door to get out of the fire. Remember when 9-11 happened? And people were jumping out of 100-story floors to their death. Does anybody remember seeing those pictures? It was so hot in that building that they preferred to jump 100 stories and die than burn alive. The church, there's no doors in hell. There's no doors to jump out of. Once you're there, you're there. But right now... While the fire's burning, because it's burning, that door is shutting. The door of grace is shutting. And right now, as that fire is burning, there is a door that you can run through. And that door is Jesus. 
You can be saved right now, today, this morning. Many of you that are here that don't know him, or you that are watching online, you can be saved right now. Because God says, I, I died on the cross for your sins. I sent my son, and he paid a price for you, and you can accept him right now. But the key is, and for time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Luke 17 reiterates 28 through 33. It says, we're living in days like the days of Lot. Where they're eating and drinking and giving in marriage and planting and buying and selling. And it's all that. But then it goes on to say, remember Lot's wife. If there's anything in this world that you love more than Jesus, you better get rid of it. Can you imagine if the trumpet starts to sound and you go, hold on a second. Not that you could anyways. Hold on a second, God, i got to grab something. What are you going to grab that you need to take with you to heaven? Right? For reals. Nothing. You just need Jesus. And that's why, we, as Pastor Mario said, we sound radical because we are. We, we understand we just need Jesus. He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's everything. And if he's not everything to you today, he can be. And I compel you to say yes to Jesus. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. All across this place. God is a God of wrath and judgment and justice. But he's a God of grace and mercy. And he loves you. And he wants you to have life today. Jesus said the devil comes to steal. The devil comes to kill. The devil comes to destroy. But he said, but God comes to give life and life more abundantly. Everything the devil throws at you, God's got something better. He has a plan. He has a way out. Romans 5.9 says, now we've been justified by the blood of Jesus and we shall be saved from his wrath. Thank you, Jesus. How many all over this place right now? Listen, I'm, I'm talking to your heart right now. I'm talking to your spirit. I'm just the messenger. I'm, I'm doing what, what, what those angels came and did with Lot. They said, get out of here. Escape now. Put your faith in God now because that time is coming. What if today was the last day that you breathe, breathe, breathe your last breath? What if today was the day you're going to pass into eternity? Where will you spend it? Bible says if you reject Jesus you reject God he loves you all you got to do is in your heart say Jesus I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you can escape judgment and then from there God will begin to do a work in you no not one of us in here myself included being saved for many many years not one of us in here has arrived not one of us have made it the Bible says, he who endures till the end shall be saved. So we're all on this path together. But I'm not looking back at this world. This world has nothing that I want. How many this morning would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Right now, this morning, I want to make sure Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I want to put my faith in him. I want to accept him as Lord and Savior. Would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down all over this place? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. How many more? How many more? Come on. If you don't raise your hand, 
you're, then you're either doing one of two things. You already know the Lord or you're rejecting him. Don't reject him. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's loving this morning. I'm not asking you to be a member of the church. I'm not asking you to be a part of a religion. I'm asking you to believe in Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of the Father. And you'll have a chance to do that now or you'll do it on that day. Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed unto man once to die and then comes judgment. If you don't have Jesus, you're, you're going to have nothing to say to God when he opens the book and says, look what you've done. And he's going to read all the things as a just judge would. All the things you've done wrong. What are you going to say? Some of you might say, well, I, I was a good person and I did better, more good than bad. And, and you're going to say all kinds of things. And the Bible says none of that matters. We're not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of God so that nobody can boast. How many more? Just put your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. You're talking to me. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I don't want anybody to run out of this place today and not know Jesus. I want to make sure you're going to heaven. That's why these doors are open this morning. We love the Lord and we want the Lord. We want everybody to know the Lord this morning. Maybe you're here. I want to give one more call. And at some point in your life, you knew Jesus. You accepted him as your Savior. But today, you're not living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. You've backslidden. You've, you've gone back to your old ways. You've you started doing things you used to do. You've started hanging out with those people you used to hang out with. And, and, and you don't love God like you used to. And today Jesus is saying, come home. I love you. I still love you. No matter what you've done, I'll take you, home. I'll take you back. Just come and I'll give you a fresh start. A fresh start today. How many can say that's me? Just lift your hand up and put it back down. All over. God bless you. I see your hearts. I see your hands. Let's stand to our feet real quick this morning. And stay in reverence to the Lord, church, because this is a, 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 a very, very important moment. When you saw all those people walk across here with those testimonies, every single one of them at some point, some in the last few months, some many years ago, did what we're about to do. We, we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we made a public confession Meaning, I'll tell all of you, I don't care what you think about me. I want everyone to know, including Jesus, that I believe that he is alive and he is Lord. If you raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something's telling you. We're going to pray a prayer right now before we go offline. We're going to say a sinner's prayer, and God's going to change your life. Many hands went up for rededication and for salvation. Would you do one more thing if you meant it? Would you, would you step out of your seat and just come down to this altar and let me pray with you this morning? Just find that nearest aisle and just come out and come on down. Amen. Let's give them a hand as they begin to come. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. You lifted your hand. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but you need to come. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. Several hands went up over here. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I can't, I can't come grab you. I almost want to do what the angel did. I almost want to come grab you and pull
pull you and say, come on. But I'm not the angel, so Holy Spirit, get a hold of you. If, you. if you're not bold enough to come stand up here in a church, you'll deny Jesus outside. That's why we do this. We don't do it to embarrass you. Jesus hung on a cross, naked, beaten, unrecognizable for you. You don't have enough guts to stand up in front of a church and say, I believe. I'm sorry, I'm just being real. You have to, you have to make a, a, a statement to the devil. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. I don't care what people think about me. Amen. Let's say a prayer online as well. Maybe you're watching online and you raised your hand, but we can't see you. You're listening on the podcast right now. I want you to say this after me. Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're a God of grace. I believe in you. I believe in your word and all the examples you set. Jesus, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you died on the cross for my sins. And then you went into the grave and then you rose from the dead and defeated death for me. Jesus, I I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And as your word says, you will save me from the wrath of God because of the blood of Jesus. Please cleanse me and please forgive me for all my sins. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. The Bible.